The following Art Trap production has been made possible in part by subscribers like you. Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi with Ken Deep, James Norton, and Louis Trapani. Welcome to the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, Episode 2. This is Louis Trapani, and joining me across the pond is Mr. James Norton. Hello, James. Hello. Good to have you back on the show. Good to be back as ever. Yes. And my other partner in crime, as always, is Mr. Ken Deep. Ken is with us. Hello, Hello. Ken. Howdy. Howdy. Duty to you. So <laughs> we want to thank everyone for the great feedback we received with our first episode of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. And also um, we want to thank Apple and iTunes for featuring us on their service, at least in the U.S., it uh, was a great to see that happening, and we want to. If you're just finding us now, and we want to welcome you on board, as the show title implies, we tackle everything about British science fiction. So many of you know that we do another show called Doctor Who Podshock, which is based on Doctor Who. We'll cover some Doctor Who here, but we're mainly covering other British science fiction series and media, and that's what this show is all about. Yes, it was. It's kind of funny that, uh, that I think we had, we had the profile or the spotlight or whatever for, for iTunes for the first episode of Hitchhikers, and we've done 135 pod shocks, and I don't think we've been covered once in, in that fashion, to my recollection. But it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Maybe they can get around to it one of these days. <laughs> Listening to this, then they realize we must also add pod shock to their featured section. Uh -huh. That Thank would be you, nice. iTunes. Thank you. Well, let's um, cover some of the news that we may not have covered in our last episode and kind of catching up with, with um, what's going on with British science fiction. And there has been some news stories, and uh, first of which is, um, I don't think we kind of covered on the last episode, is that, that the new Red Dwarf series has been confirmed, and it's been some talk about whether or not this was actually going to happen or not, and we did want to confirm that it is going to be taking place and I think there was an interview that, that you wanted to mention, James? Yeah. Um, well, Robert Llewellyn, who uh, played Crichton in the series, mm -hmm. was uh, interviewed by one of my favorite science fiction stroke fantasy magazines, SFX. And it was kind of news to me because uh, all the time, well, maybe for the past decade or so, there's always supposedly... Uh, been in the pipeline, a, a, a Red Dwarf movie, which a script had been written for, they were due to start production on, but for reasons beyond anyone's expectations, I think, it's just never gotten off the ground. It's stayed in kind of development hell, as they like to say. But a, a very kind of popular television channel here in the UK, Aside from the BBC, of course, is a, a channel called Dave, and they heavily repeat uh, Red Dwarf, and I think it's even kind of introduced it to a whole new audience, really, a whole new generation, because it's been off air. I think that the last series, Series 8, was way back in 98 or, or 99, so it's almost been 10 or 11 years since it was, it was last on the screens. So it's it's great that, that Dave has actually commissioned um, some specials, two of which I believe, well, there's definitely going to be two. They interviewed Robert Llewellyn because he's one of the guys who's who's going to be coming back. I don't know fully the details yet, and I don't think even he does. I know that certainly they, they're going to make two 
specials, including a making of series, which seems to be a really a popular idea ever since um, Doctor Who Confidential, I think. But they're going to start shooting in January of 2009, and it's going to be broadcast on Dave later next year. So this, for me, is really exciting because, well, I'm a huge Red Dwarf fan. And, well, for uh, those that aren't familiar, Red Dwarf is a comedy science fiction series, obviously British um, science fiction series. And this is actually celebrating the, the 21st birthday of Red Dwarf with these specials. And, and you had mentioned there's two specials. There are four shows, to, and this is subject to change that we know of. Uh, show one is the, the making of the specials. And then there's show two, which is the Red Dwarf special part one. And then show three is Red Dwarf special part two and then show four is a a clip show with a they call it a a clip show with a serious difference something that 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 you hadn't seen before so (laughs) i'm sure it will be funny yeah because in the um the article the interview in sfx um they asked robert llewellyn about that he says that you know it's not just going to be us sitting around and saying do you remember when we did that um because well that's on all the DVDs of of the of the series itself because they've they've done these spectacular remastered DVDs that have been coming out over the past uh, few years. They they really didn't want to do it like that. And apparently, Doug, who's the head producer, Doug Doug Naylor, he has uh, thought of of some genius ways of going about it. So I'm really interested in see seeing what they're going to do with it because. The series has been off the air for quite some time. Yeah, it's hard and to much like we're in the 20th anniversary of it right now. I didn't realize it's been that long, but yeah, I guess it was. Um, it was in the late 80s that it came. I remember it came in, coming on pretty much, you know, coinciding with with Doctor Who's unfortunate cancellation and, or hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, and, I was... and this sort of was taking its place in a sense. Yeah, because I was going to echo that kind of by saying that, you know, Doctor Who had its hiatus and now Red Dwarf has had its hiatus. Um, but a lot of Red Dwarf fans, like Doctor Who fans, haven't let the series sort of die. There have been plenty of books and there's been all sorts of conventions and stuff. And there have been constant repeats on both the BBC and other channels like Dave and things. So in that respect, the fans have kind of kept it alive and have even kept the rumours going that there definitely will be a movie and so on. So it's exciting for me because uh, I really used to love Red Dwarf as a kid, even just for the comedy, let alone it was kind of like a bonus that it was also a sci-fi show. So I'm thrilled about that, and um, I really hope that they can get together the full cast. If they could do that, that would be uh, be brilliant. So, And I'm still trawling through the DVDs. I've bought a couple of them, but I'm I'm trying to make my way through them all. Um, so this is exciting news for me. I, d- I don't know if... Uh, well, I think, Lewis, you've seen bits and bobs yeah, of it. I don't yeah, know about I haven't you. seen all the all their episodes, but I, when it was on, I you know I would occasionally tune into it. I mean, unfortunate, just like Doctor Who, they they don't show them anymore. You know, when I say like Doctor Who, I mean the classic episodes. It's it's hard to find them being shown on television. You know, where it was very easy to find these on PBS shows um, back in the day. Back in the day, yeah, sure. And it, and it ran pretty long on PBS. I mean, long after Doctor Who, I, I guess, because mm-hmm. they were producing new episodes yeah at the time sure i mean because it ran i think it it must have ran for i think it first came on in in what like 1998 well yeah it must be if it's 21 years or or or, or 1987 so it, it was it was on pretty much constantly for 10 years until 1999 when it it met its demise so it really was a huge hit and no one to well at least in my mind i don't really know why they they cancelled it um the last few series weren't the strongest sure but it still had an awful lot of people who were were very interested in it and uh, and and huge viewing figures and all the rest of it so i'm not quite sure why that is but networks are networks aren't they well i have to confess i'm i'm not really a big fan of of red dwarf and i i did give it a try back when it first started in in the late 80s i think looking back on it being a more mature adult now uh <laughs> that i i think i was just prejudiced against the show because i was watching the tripods and most importantly doctor who 
um, mm. being cut down in the prime of life and seeing Red Dwarf be the one science fiction thing from the BBC that survived yeah, and just continued and well, continued. It, and I was like, well, yeah. what seems to be the problem here? Mm. There was some. Oh, I mean, we like this, but we don't like this other stuff. I, I just didn't understand it. Well, because yeah. at the time when we know a lot of that was BS, but some of the reasons that were given to why Doctor Who, you know, went away was, um, you know, Blake's. I mean, um, Dread Dwarf was an example of those reasons had held no water because you know they were saying uh, Doctor Who was too expensive a show to do at this time, and I'm like, well, you know, Red Dwarf is doing it right now. I mean, it's just they're doing it in a comedy format but you can just as easily do those same effects the charm of doctor who was always the good storytelling and characters and we could always turn a blind eye to special effects that were less than par or, or they weren't competing with star trek the next generation that's fine we weren't watch, tuning in to watch the special effects we were watching the, the stories and the characters yeah that, i'm just that saying part- so that's the reason why sometimes um, it was it was annoying seeing Red Dwarf, you know, coming out of the BBC and not Doctor Who. That is, is part of the reason. The other thing that, you know, Michael Grade was like, well, Doctor Who's a, a silly show. Mm. Uh, Red Dwarf is a silly show. I mean, intentionally, but but I don't understand that. Why is why is it OK to be silly on one show and not on the other? I mean, he was full of crap anyway. And yeah, sure. Wins. Well, I think he, he he just basically I think we all know that he just had a, a, a personal vendetta towards Doctor Who. He really didn't like it. And it wasn't the fact that it was a sci fi show. It wasn't the fact that it was primarily, well, originally designed for kids and stuff like that. He just didn't like it. He didn't want it on on uh, on the, the TV series on his Network. He's on. He was yeah, I mean, he said even before he was the controller that you know that was the he would finally. Get that was that his off. one goal, and you know, Red Dwarf. I think the difference was really that it it was kind of taking the piss out of itself, whereas Doctor Who, um, despite the fact that it had shaky sets and things, took itself seriously because it knew that its fans could um, look past, you know as Ken said, the, the sometimes below par special effects. And at the time, some of them were below par, but for the budget that they were on, I think it was superb and almost state of the art. But the fans could look past that and see just what a terrific series it is. And anyway, I can, I'm just saying I can completely understand, Ken, why you might feel um, kind of annoyed that Red Dwarf is on telly and Doctor Who isn't because... Mm-hmm. We, your I, I try to stay away from from being you know very negative about it because I there's so many British shows that I like so there must be something to it I think maybe I like I said I, I think I just didn't give it a chance mm. early on because I was like I was just annoyed that the, everything else was getting the axe except for that show and um, yeah maybe so I should now, bring some some red <laughs> now in, in a DVDs. different mindset perhaps I can give it another chance if I can you know fit it into my 87 other things that I'm <laughs> trying to find time to watch here and there but it is uh it's it's good that it's coming back this is um in the in the late 70s star wars was credited as bringing a lot of new science fiction or, or an interest a renewed interest in sci-fi and fantasy where movie studios started saying we've got to make we've got to make something big budget with lots of special effects i think the doctor who's um resurgence in 2004 has reopened it, it, it's it's launched another british invasion of sci-fi another british sci-fi invasion like we had 25 years ago maybe uh mm. doctor who fired up now they want to remake blake seven they want to remake uh well they made a movie out of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy red dwarf and as we're going to hear in the news in a few minutes day of the triffids as well so there's this is a great this is very optimistic. I like the idea of doing some re-envisioning, but I would also like to see a wave of new science fiction, brand new franchises. I know that um, BBC's competitors tried to do this thing with Primeval. I'm not particularly enthusiastic about Primeval, but at least there's the the thinking isn't reality television and and for those who have listened to Podchock over the years <laughs> Anything that's not reality TV, just cameras following people, not showering, is really just fine with me. If it has a script and actors, I'm I'm down with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see a reality 
show in space. How about that? Why don't we do that? Why don't we have Survivor Moon Base Alpha? Well, there's the NASA <laughs> channel, <laughs> but I don't. There is, which yeah. is brilliant, by the way. Mm-hmm. Well, along those lines of uh, bringing things back from the past, currently there's a remake of Survivors, which was a Terry Nation series from the 70s. And um, so I just wanted to get, I haven't seen, actually, I have to admit that I haven't seen either. I hadn't seen the original Survivors, to my knowledge, at least I don't recall seeing it. Or now there's a remake, which has a tie-in to Doctor Who, because Freemur Adjaman is in it, and also Patterson Joseph, who was a guest star and also his is one of the names being bandied about um as far as speculation goes for a new doctor but it's only speculation has um have have um, either one of you two have seen survivors either the original or the re- the 2008 remake i have a copy of the original but i've never watched it i have to say the wow. original also had patrick troughton in it as a uh, guest stars mm-hmm. uh brian blast uh, the, the other notables as well, um, even Dennis Larson from Star Wars. I know the premise of the show. I've uh, not seen it. I, I must admit that it's, as Ken kind of said, it's on my list of 87 other things that I that I would like to we see. We have a homework assignment now, James. <laughs> we do. All of us, because well, I haven't seen it either. I know that, there, that there's been... Because I, I, I looked into it at the time when I when I heard that, that they were bringing back this this Terry Nation show because I think that the original was back in the late seventies, right? Yeah, seventy five to nineteen seventy five to nineteen seventy seven on the BBC. But they've they've done. A, I know that the first episode, which I think aired a few weeks ago, maybe a week ago, was a, kind of a ninety minute premieres they say these days to mm-hmm. kind of really introduce the show but and i think there are six episodes that have that are going to go out and they're currently in the fourth the fourth one something like that and it's been on my the equivalent of a tivo mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah dvr so i've I have been meaning to watch it so for next time hopefully we can watch it and maybe review it i know that it has had Mixed reviews. Two episodes have already aired, right? There's another Doctor Who connection there, which I I failed to mention. Uh, Sean Dingwell, who played Pete's, Rose's Tyler's uh, father, is in in it Mm -hmm. as well. Peter Allen Tyler, as they say. Um, So I I think there's been three or four episodes. Oh, oh, the fourth one's being transmitted tomorrow, I think. But for those of you who don't know, the the premise is is that it's about a group of people who... uh, It's called Survivors. The idea is is that there's been a massive, uh, very uh, hardcore strain of the flu, which kills 90-odd percent of the world's population. But there are a group of people who are sort of naturally immune. And it's about them and their kind of adventures and coping with, um, with, with, with carrying on surviving now that most of the world's population is, is unfortunately dead. Um, and I know that it's had sort of mixed critical reception um, because I, 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 I've tried to steer clear of, of reviews and things because I wanted to watch it just purely because it was something done by Terry Nation, who, of course, um, you know, created the Daleks and... and uh, created uh, Blake Seven amongst many other things, so f- I wanted to, to just watch it uh, for that reason alone. But apparently, uh, it's quite predictable. Um, that's what I've heard just from other people who've seen it. But overall, the reviews have been quite uh, positive, and it's kind of one of those things where it's a six-parter. So uh, I-, I want to kind of watch the whole thing before I kind of make my mind up because so it's a mini-series then. As far as I'm aware, it is a miniseries because I think the original one ran for a couple of years, didn't it? Um, so uh, I don't know whether the idea is that there that this is kind of a reintroduction in the hopes that it will take off, um, it will be very popular, and they'll have able be able to have um, another series off the bat of it. Mm-hmm. I just don't know, but the the ratings. Um, uh, haven't been terrific, um, as far as I'm aware. About five million each each uh, each uh, episode. Well, so it's interesting that 
and I've noticed this on, on a few occasions with certain remakes, but as an example, this show was revolutionary when it aired in the 70s, as many of Terry Nation's works were. But you look back now and you say, okay, they're remaking Survivors, and it's a post-apocalyptic show. And then you look and you see that we had Jericho on you know, here in the U.S. And, and other shows even prior to that where they were influenced by the idea of the original show. But it's been done now, and so the, the novelty has sort of worn off. So although you're remaking it for a new generation and it is a powerful work, somebody who might be too young to rem- remember the original who, who, or who never saw it might say, ah, oh, this has been done already. Mm. And I've seen that happen. Um, it's not a science fiction example, but I'll give you an example of something that just clearly couldn't work. When they remade I Spy a few years ago, the movie, the comedy, they remake this movie and they took two actors and they put them together and they made a remake of I Spy. And the thing was a, a failure. The reason it was a failure was the novelty of the show in the 60s what in, on 60s television to have a black actor and a white actor acting together as equals with humor and it's a buddy kind of thing and they're doing these serious things. That didn't happen in the 60s. It was revolutionary. Then they, to now to say, OK, we're going to get the funny black guy and the serious white guy. He's a cop on the edge and he's the funny one. It's done eight million times so yeah. the novelty has worn off yeah it's it, there's nothing revolutionary about it you want to have something revolutionary have a transvestite cop but i think that's isn't that the, the take-home message that really we, we we as sci-fi fans want to push is that we want to see yes it's great when they remake a series and it's good because it gets a lot of people interested in the original series and so on but there's no point unless it's innovative, unless it's new in some way. There's no point to it. I de- in an ideal world, I, I agree completely with you, Ken. I would like to see completely new original series. For me, they could stop doing remakes and things because, you know, okay, you're updating it and giving it to a new audience and you immediately, therefore, get a lot of fans attached to it and so on who saw the original or whatever. But it's better, surely, to have original and, and, and brilliant television. And kind of uh, uh, one of the things that, that, that lets survivors down, and I certainly know why a few people um, don't want to see it, is um, one of the, the uh, head actors is, 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 a, is a lady called Julie Graham. And... Um, I don't really know much about her. I know that she was in a, a, a recent drama series called Bone Kickers, which uh, my girlfriend watched a few episodes of and things, and, and I caught uh, uh, the back of it. Um, but it was it was dire. It was it was awful. I, I didn't. Dire. I the, of of what I saw. Admittedly, it was limited what I saw, but what I saw was dire. And I, I, I must confess that I didn't like the lead actress, who was this actress called Judy Graham. And um, in a way, that's why I've been holding off watching it, because my friends, a lot of my friends don't like her as well. Um, but I'm, I won't see it to see whether she's been able to pull this off as kind of one of the, the lead characters, because she plays the husband, I think, of, 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 of Sean Dingwall, who played pete tyler and all the rest of it so my homework for next week will be to to watch it and just you know put my reservations aside because the 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 risk that they take when they do this is yes they'll get a lot of people to watch it because there'll be a lot of fans who will watch it like me just for the sake of watching it but they could really if they don't do it right they're going to alienate a lot of people like they they have with ken mentioned you know, I spy or or whatever the the show from the sixties, but you know the risk they take is that they alienate people. So it's got to be done right and got to be done well. There needs to be justification for it. So that's my take. Well, on a few occasions, when they let's say when they remade the invasion of the body snatchers in the seventies from the fifties, the first remake, mm-hmm. they were taking it to another level, and they were trying to add something to it and bring something else that they couldn't do the first time those kind of ideas 
or doing an, a completely different interpretation, even if I don't like it, but it's an interpretation. That's one thing. It's another thing just to rehash the same old thing. One of my – and I've said this on uh, Podshock. One of my favorite movies of all time is The Taking of Pelham 123, The Hijacking of a Subway Train. They're remaking it with Denzel Washington, uh, Tony Scott's the director. And I'm kind of excited because I like the creative forces behind it. So I'm excited to see it. Now, they remade it for television in the mid-'90s, and it was a train wreck. Well, it's part of no, the pun. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> They, the promise in the 90s was we were going to bring this into the 90s and we were going to use all this. It, it was, was going to be a story that took place in the 90s using that kind of technology, cell phones, let's say, and or beepers and, and computers and things like that. They did none of it. They used none of it. There, was, there, there wasn't that element. There wasn't – there was a promise of that, but they didn't deliver. It no, was almost pathetic. Yeah. The lack of technology, considering that they were going to update this 1974 movie. So what was the point then? Mm. If they would have said, well, we're going to use laptops, I'm going to use more sophisticated means for the criminals to do this enterprise, mm. then it makes sense mm. to just remake it because now we can have a 1997 Ford on the streets of Manhattan as opposed to a 1974 Ford doesn't make sense and this kind and, of and, and just to life on mars speaking of 1974 brings us a little bit to life on mars uh, one of the positives for me on the remake of life on mars is that it takes place in new york city and i enjoy seeing the city that i know and love flash back to and i'm looking and very curious to see, okay they got the bus right <laughs> they didn't get the cop cars right those kind of little details mm. are fun to look out for mm. where i don't know London. I wasn't a, I wasn't a child in London in 1974, so it's tough for me to compare. Hmm. Well, it was it was Manchester, but anyway. Um, okay. But I, I it's interesting because I've not seen um, the U.S. version of Life on Mars. Um, I've seen uh, pictures from it. I think it's interesting uh, that they've cast. Uh, Harvey Keitel as as the gaffer, the the Gene Hunt character, yeah, but, taken over from um, from Philip um, Glenister. Yeah, um, but for me, what is quite um, annoying, and I, as I say, it, it's kind of a bit prejudiced for me to say this because I, I've not seen the series. I don't know if it's any good, but for me, uh, just from all the photos and stuff that I've seen in magazines or online or, or the trailers and stuff. Is that they've they've taken the British show, taken the exact same characters, even down to the names, even down to the styles of clothing, and there's like a guy there called um, uh, Ray Carling, who was originally played by Dean Andrews, who was sort of like um, a, a chap with a, a mustache. Um, yeah. He's now played by um, Michael uh, Imperoli. Exactly the same look. Exactly the same. Um, Annie Norris, who was sort of uh, Sam Tyler's love interest, uh, originally played by Liz White, now is, is played by a lady called uh, Gretchen Moll. Exactly the same. It's just a carbon copy, just with a, a US slant on it. For me, what would have been far more interesting, as a British viewer who'd seen the original show, was if they took the same premise, the same idea of a guy gets hit by a car and somehow gets transported. He, we don't know if he's in a coma. We don't know if he's actually been transported back to the 70s. We don't know. But to take that idea and uh, rebrand it in a way, in such a way that it's completely uh, uh, not just a U.S. slant on it, but so that it's completely come out of the U.S., not have the same characters. Do do it differently. Don't do well, everything the same. You know. Yeah. On one hand, they're, they're, I think they're trying to honor the original series and, and really try to, you know, you have that magic in the bottle. So let's like try to replicate that bottle and that magic as much as possible so that it works in the U.S. It, it's just taking the U.K. series and Americanizing it instead of coming up with. It's like when they yeah. remake a song. If you're going to remake the point a of song. Obsession. If you're going to yeah. remake a song, do it differently. If you're going to remake it and it sounds, you know, so similar to the original, why bother? 
but but the point is that goes back to this whole American television thing where uh, the executives feel that we won't accept anything that that's not in U.S. made and on U.S. soil because of the culture differences. Uh, it's it's incredible for me because I, I think it would have been even it would have worked even better for me if they showed the U.K. version, let's say in the summer months during when in the U.S. season there's a lot of reruns and not much new television coming out. They could have shown because there's only eight episodes per series and there's two series of the UK original series, they could have shown both of those and then gone off in September and start you know, doing the, U, the US version if need be. But it, I didn't see the need for it to begin with, you know, no. because the UK series stands on its own. Yeah, and, exactly. But it goes and to... Uh, the, they're obsessed with making, with making this shot-for-shot shot kind of thing. They are. And it, the thing is, is that looking... looking I'm looking at a, a, a pictures of the cast right now, and they look uncannily like their British counterparts. And, Ken, you've mentioned it's set in, in New York. For me, looking at these stills, you wouldn't be able to tell. It just looks like a carbon copy. And what is... The, if you're going to remake something, fine. No problem with that. But do it get some innovation in there do it well that's doing the original series justice what's not doing the original series justice and what isn't um uh, uh it doesn't kind of uh it's kind of perpetuating the stereotype that um the u.s doesn't care about anything uh, if it's not you know its own navel mm-hmm. you know you you, yes. you can't it's it's just so self-centered to mm-hmm. to do this um it is I, I mean again i've not seen it i would well, like to see it well but. i have seen it and but you're but it's true it, it's it's unnecessary because the uk version would would have done just as well in fact i mean and i don't mean to trash the u.s version because it does have some some stuff going for it um as ken mentioned you know me being a u.s citizen in the new york metro area it was interesting seeing new york city in 1973 and, and as ken was saying did i get it right is it do you really feel like you're transformed into 1973 in new york so that's interesting in comparison to the UK version in Manchester, you didn't, you know, not me. I haven't, I wasn't born and raised there, so I don't have that same. Uh, it's not as relatable, you know. But yeah, it's still you don't have the same affinity in in a way because you, you. Some people might just watch it just purely for that to see how they do it and and what will they show and what can they show, um, because clearly you yeah. can't just go straight into the middle of Times Square these days. Um, it just wouldn't be possible. Well, you have. You 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 have a um, the original Life on Mars was a a nod to the classic detective shows of the seventies, and mm-hmm. many of them took place in New York. If the, for the U.S. audience, many detective shows were either L.A. or New oh, York yeah. for mm. the most part. So to see Life on Mars as a throwback to Kojak and shows like that, and there's some some tips of the hat there. The the novelty. In the pilot episode to the U.S. Life on Mars is the Twin Towers. They played right into that. Everybody was waiting for it, and boom, they got the shot in of the Twin Towers, which they got wrong, by the way, for, for nitpickers because they were still working on the Twin Towers at the time, and they had them completed. Um, but that's just from someone who lived in New York. And, you know, there's the the other problem that the united states the, the us version is going to have is that the united states people in the us okay not people in the us executives in television networks in the us require television shows to run 5 to 7 years the british audience can accept a finite amount of television programming there was such thing as there's the united states hasn't had a miniseries i can't tell you when was the last time lewis if in, in your memory did we have a tonight a special miniseries we haven't had that v stop making miniseries I, I guess that's because we've got people living on an island with a handicam now i don't know i don't get it <laughs> to, to my uh, mind the other thing is i i have to disagree i think u.s audiences do get quality television bbc america is a profitable cable channel and people watch the shows and there are shows that are legitimate hits on that channel yes so Oh no! I yeah, wasn't underselling the U.S. audience. I was. Audience I, I, I was. I'm just angry over the U.S. executives that think that the U.S. Yeah, audience it's, is. Yeah, it's patronizing, to be honest. Let's let's face it. It's com- well, it's- they're idiots. 
Yeah, it's completely and utterly patronising if, if they assume that you guys, uh, if you're so self-centred and so inward-looking that you can't like look past the fact that a, a series is shot in the UK. I'm not against them remaking it, and I would like to see it, but I want to see it done well because uh, I really, really enjoyed um, the original Life on Mars, and likewise, Ashes to Ashes, the kind of spin-off. Yes, I haven't seen that yet. Series, um, which is why I want to see the uh, you know US version done well. Just as as a Doctor Who fan, the uh, uh, the remake, I wanted to see it done well because I had a lot of passion for the original show, and and always will. So, um, I, I it's just another example of non-creative people making creative decisions to quote the legendary jazz artist kyle jason it's non-creative people making creative decisions and that's what happens that's what you get you get these pathetic decisions for me hey guys i have to i have to step out i i unfortunately i'm being i have this thing that always interferes with my social calendar and that is work <laughs> but i'd like to make i'd like to do do one last news item if i could sure right, the we'll, remake we'll come of back to life Griffiths. on mars later because there's i think there's more to talk about here but <laughs> uh there's also a remake of day of the triffids for yes. the third time as well yeah which is great it's a great story day of the triffids i remember the original movie as a child it was probably the first sort of horror movie that i was allowed to watch as a as a kid i Remember in the early, early seventies reruns of of the movie being on like the Saturday afternoon movie and having it terrify me. I had nightmares about plants and trees and things and dumping salt water and all kinds of stuff. So it was the original movie is fantastic. I I haven't seen the the early eighties the nineteen eighty one BBC version and, and now of course this is gonna um, if this remake is. Well done. It'll rekindle that interest to go back and, and probably fill in the gap and, and check out the, the the series from 1981. But the news from the BBC's official website, uh, the new television adaption of Day of the Triffids is being made. Um, and for the Doctor Who connection, Julie Gardner apparently mm-hmm. has is the one that uh, green-lighted it. She's the head of drama now at, at BBC Well. So um, the story is going to be set in 2011 um, when... The story opens with people being blinded by this uh, this meteorite shower and and the breakdown of civilization. Wait a minute, that's the survivors. No, no, never mind. No, this is just blinding lights, not, yeah. not the flu. And, and it's apropos that you mentioned invasion of the body snatches earlier. Another plant invading yes. um, species to the to the yeah. to Earth. Yeah. Well, I think yes. Meant, so meant- here's the pr- here's the premise. Something fill in the lines a blank line on the on the play on the page. Travels to Earth and millions of people are wiped out. Mayhem ensues, <laughs> you know, and then just take your show from there. <laughs> A giant Twinkie. Okay, <laughs> could be anything, any form of of plant life, and you've got uh, either the Day of the Triffids or Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, difference being is that you know one replicates itself and and to look as humans the other doesn't it just eats them um mm. but from to my mind it's nice that you you mentioned the parallel there because to my mind um the invasion of the body snatches was kind of like the the u.s version of of day of the triffids in in many ways and it was nice that they took kind of like this idea and again put their own slant on it um I don't, which came first I, I don't even know to be honest, um, well, I know that the day well, the, of the-, the novel of Invasion of the Body Snatchers is is old. You know, it's not something recent. And well, you got to remember the John first Williams, movie was in um, the mid fifties. Uh, yeah, sorry, so the I early fifties. I think Day of the Triffids was nineteen fifty one. Okay, yeah, the, I think the movie that were uh, the original movie of, of um, Invasion is nineteen fifty six, if I recall correctly. There's been a uh, three yeah. radio There's series. There's about five years apart between. The two. Mm-hmm. Then, and then, as you said, the 1981 BBC television production. And now this new production is two feature-length episodes that are coming out next year. Casting has yet to be announced. It's a miniseries. What a novel concept. <laughs> we should have more of those in the United States. To my mind, the last miniseries that I can remember 
that was on in the States was um, the Battlestar Galactica miniseries. And oh, look what that yeah. spawned. Because they did the, a miniseries uh, there first, which, yes. ironically, I've seen more of the miniseries. I've seen the miniseries in full, whereas I haven't seen um, as, as much of, 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 of BSG as I would have liked um, the series I, I, itself. I should really clarify it, perhaps, because I know some of the television networks do have original miniseries. In addition to Battlestar, um, you had uh, Sci- Sci-Fi Channel is famous for them. I mean, they did the Dune, mm-hmm. the, da- yeah. the adaptations of Dune, things mm-hmm. like that. I'm talking about major networks, CBS, NBC, ABC, the, the free, the over-the-air channels. I just don't remember, but maybe it was because I tune those networks out now because the amount of stuff that they put on that interests me is... Very limited. Now, why do a miniseries when they can do another reality or, or nighttime game show, you know, where it's cheap? You don't have to hire a screenwriter, sure. no actors, and um, and that's what we're... All you have to do is, is come up with prize money for the, uh, the, the, the winning person, whoever it might be. And that, let's face it, that's like a minute or two of ads so mm-hmm. for them, so who cares, yeah. I mean. Unfortunately, the U.S. audiences just gobble it up. <laughs> and I, and I, well, I stand here in the U.K. too. With Peter Davison, we saw him a couple of weeks ago on stage, and he, he was um, calling it all rubbish. And, and and I have to agree, you know, this whole, you know, and and he comes to the U.S. and he sees all the the rubbish shows from the B, from the BBC from the British uh, television being redone in the U.S. You know, Dancing at the Stars is really um, something else in the in the U.K. and it's just the mm. same old stuff. Being, yeah, there was a, a brilliant. Um, piss take of this done by one of my favorite comedians a guy called peter k and if you've got the chance yeah. to tivo it or whatever or acquire it uh, download it. it's called <laughs> no, it's called britain's got the pop factor and possibly a new celebrity jesus christ soap star superstar strictly on ice very very <laughs> funny very very funny and uh, a terrific uh uh, piss take on all of this so download it if you can or bo- go and buy the dvd or whatever it's it's it had me crying it was so funny so um yeah I'd, I'd say catch that if you if you want a real insight into just how rubbish well everyone knows how rubbish the reality <laughs> tv shows are you don't need uh insight into it i guess but anyway ken before you run off, gentlemen i have to bow out oh, okay. i'm afraid all right okay i will uh Talk to you guys during the week then. You will. Uh, Thanks for have being a- here. All right, guys, I gotta run. All, All right, right, fella. Take care. Cheers. Bye. I was gonna ask Ken, but he had to leave because um, we did have a piece of feedback, which I, I was hoping that maybe he could be here for. I guess we'll just. I, I was gonna throw that in the middle of the show right now. If you want, maybe I can. Uh, since I already have it queued up, it's um. This is um. Dave, Dave AC, who's a regular on Doctor Who Podshock, and he just had some comments about our first episode and. Um, I figured we can just change things a bit, um, change our pacing a little bit, do this, and then we'll go back to our uh, previous discussion on Life on Mars, if we will. Fair enough. All right. Hi, Lewis, Ken and James, and all the listeners to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. This is Dave AC from the Gallifreyan Forums and CIA Cultamin Audio Podcast. Loved your first show. What a great addition to go alongside Doctor Who Podshock. Love the interview, all the talk about Blake Seven and Doctor Who, and in particular, I like a little bit about the tripods right at the beginning, and that's what my feedback's about. One of the pages on my Dave Cooper homepage is a little bit about the BBC4 documentary, The Cult of the Tripods. It contains a number of screen captures and an audio clip that you can listen to as you check them out does contain spoilers for Series 2, but I hope you enjoy it. Well done, boys, on a great first podcast. This is Dave AC saying cheers for now. Bye. Well, that's great. Thank you, Dave. Dave is um, incredible. He's a staunch supporter of, of um, Doctor Who Podshock and a contributor as well. And um, he d- does the CIA podcast, which is a, um, a, a sort of a sister-like podcast of Doctor Who Podshock. And Dave is always um, there on the on on the ball with us there, you know, both on the live podcasts and on CIA and on our forums. And um, but he was mentioning these cult of um, the cult of tripods. There was the whole series of documentaries that came out, um, I believe, on the BBC, the cult of and then fill in 
your favorite television series there was the cult of blake seven which is another great documentary to kind of go alongside of what we were talking about in our first episode a lot about blake seven so if you do have a, a, a chance to see these um cult of documentaries they're really done well and it's it's um it's it's a nice um homage to these classic series that sometimes don't get enough attention Mm, mm. I think at one time, I don't know if it's still online, um, the BBC had a whole... Yes, web uh, section. Yeah. Doctor Who was kind of part of that. um, Until it came back and it's no longer a cult, now it's mainstream. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. So um, that was was a lot of fun, it has to be said. Yeah. Uh, Anyway... Let's resume. Uh, let's have a, a brief discussion about uh, life on Mars. And I, I don't know if there's any any further news that you you wanted to mention. I'm sure that we'll we'll find something to talk about. Um, but uh, as 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 I was saying, I, I really would like to to see this uh, this new uh, reinvision. Um, can't even say that word. The well, revisitation <laughs> to the idea. Um, My first impression upon seeing it was this just uh, obviously I saw the original UK versions and, and, and that's really, you know, I, I love the UK versions and that's what I was familiar with going into this. It's interesting because um, I, I know of other people that have uh, first seen the US version of thus far. We should explain that we're only, you know, halfway through the, the first series, the first season of the US version. So um, it's picking up, I think, after I think in, if I'm not mistaken, I think um, early January, I think it's taking a break uh, for a few weeks and it's going to come back. So um, we haven't seen it all yet. I know someone had seen thus far of the U.S. version and then saw the U.K. opening and the, the, the pilot episode and um, said, oh, well, I, I prefer the U.S. version. But I think that's just because of familiarity. And that's, you know, that's sort of like what that's like the first thing that you see. And I think you have to give it mm. more of a chance. But my first impression upon seeing the U.S. version immediately was that the U.K. version, I felt, was more believable. And by that, I mean that. When I was watching the UK version, the original series, the series proper, if you will, I wasn't watching actors. I was watching characters and I immediately it wasn't John Sim playing Sam Tyler. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't um, Philip Glenstar playing Gene Hunt. It was Gene Hunt and Sam Tyler that I was seeing on screen. When I was watching the US version, I was watching Harvey Keitel, you know, playing a part. It wasn't I, it, to me. It wasn't Gene Hunt, and maybe that's because I was so familiar with the character that that uh, Philip Glenister created that t- it was hard for me. It was just I was seeing actors playing parts and not characters, and I think that was um, over time. I you become more accepting that these actors are actually playing characters, and, and you're seeing them more as the characters. But another immediate reaction was that. The physicality of science, of Sam of, of John Sim compared to uh, Jason O'Mara, who plays Sam Tyler in the U.S. version, are they're different. Where John Sim is more slender, a smaller frame, and um, Gene and, and Philip Glenister, who plays Gene Hunt, is more physical and and more menacing in that sense. And the relationship and the chemistry that these two have in the U.K. version is unique to the U.K. version, where. In the U.S. version, it just—I mean, they obviously they, they have to have some sort of chemistry together, but it's just not the same. It's not melding the same, and it's not the fault of maybe of of of, of, of the actors, but it's perhaps the writing and and the situations that they're in. It's just that that bond isn't really there, or hasn't. I haven't really seen it as much. It, it's different. Uh, also, and going to that same point is that um, again, John Sim being a more of a slender physique and not as built up as Jason O'Mara, who plays Sam, um, who plays um, Sam Tyler. He's less of an underdog. And for me, I always kind of go <laughs> root for the underdog. And, you know, when when they're in a fight, it just seems that. And, and again, it's not I'm not bashing the actor Jason O'Mara. It's just he's just physically built more. And um, going into situations of danger, you just feel, oh, well, he can take it because he's a bigger guy, you know, where John Sim, you kind of felt, oh, well, you know, it's that whole underdog feeling that, you know, if he's going in unarmed or whatever, you just feel that sense sense of danger more. Right. Because for me, um, I, I like to say I've not seen it, but um, the uh, casting is uh, looks almost identical because 
to my mind, um, the US version of Sam Tyler looks a lot similar to the UK version. Okay, maybe their their frames are a little bit different, but sort of facially and the yeah. general look yeah. is is. I mean, they they wear pretty much the the same identical mm-hmm. shirts and 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 leather jacket and everything. And okay, that's maybe part and parcel of the time, but. I, I have seen a few clips online, um, and maybe part of my other homework can be to kind of, as well as, as watching Survivors, will be to, to go back and, and, and take a look at, at Life on Mars. Um, I'm sure that they probably will show it here in the UK at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as far as I know, it's not scheduled to be broadcast anytime soon. So um, the we'll wait and point- see is that uh, we should also make a point that, that, that there was a, an original pilot made of the U.S. version that was scrapped, which had... Um, uh, really? Uh, yeah, Colomini played Gene Hunt in that. And I ah, haven't seen this pilot, but... That's, suppo- that was the rumor that I heard that he yeah. was playing it, so I yeah, was quite... Yeah, it was actually shot, and, um, and I think you can find it if you look for it. I haven't looked for it, <laughs> but I think there are ways to find it if you know where to look. I haven't seen it. But it's from what I'm told, it's really, really bad. And basically what they did was they scrapped it. They recast everyone in it except for Jason O'Mara. And and that's what we got in in the U.S. version right now. They they, I want to see that other version, that other original pilot, just to see the differences, to see what the original direction was and and and, you know, and and kind of draw the differences and, and parallels, if any, there. The other immediate thing that I wanted to say was uh, as far as comparing the US and the UK version is that I felt the UK version is deeper and by that I mean it's more psychological where in in that first pilot episode you're coming away with it with not still not knowing where Sam is going or, or what's actually happening and and that remained even though you you knew you know it, he was somewhere his real self was somewhere in a hospital bed and and you got references of that throughout the whole series but it still was a question mark of exactly what was going on. And that remained till the end where in the U S version, it's pretty much made clear what's going on, where he is. Um, I, I don't, it's just a, that sense of mystery isn't there or, or it's just not as, um, as deep. And I, not I, as I subtle I, maybe as well. Um, you trying to say as well yeah and also in the u.s version they referencing these mars robots kind of draw and and i think that's just going a little bit over the top and uh, these mars rover um that, that actually landed on the planet mars and and the character sam tyler seeing these robots these rover robots everywhere and I, I think that's going oh, too that's, much that's lame the, yeah and and that's going too much into the, the life on mars namesake the, the whole yeah that, it's just happened to be the song that was on his iPod at the time. And, and, and he feels that, well, he, you know, being transformed back into 1973 is just like being on Mars, but that's really where the Mars connection should end. (laughs) Um, Other differences are subtle. You know, there's um, in the UK version, the barkeep, the, the, the pub that they go to on a regular basis plays a more significant role where I don't even think you really know who the, the bartender is in the, in the U S version where, in the in the UK version, he almost is like a Guinan character from the Star Trek: The Next Generation. He offers, <laughs> you know, insights, and even though it may not be intentional or whatever, but there's he plays a more significant role. Hmm. Nelson, I think his name was, if I remember hmm. rightly. But um, maybe that says more about British than American culture. <laughs> We're always pub. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, oh! Um, another interesting thing is that um, in the UK version. Sam Tyler's mother is his her first name is Ruth if I remember correctly Ruth Tyler in the US they changed it to Rose Rose Tyler and I'm wondering really yeah and I'm wondering that is really cool is that a nod to Doctor Who or I mean what why change the name I mean I don't know question Mm. mark (laughs) Uh, the other thing is what Ken had mentioned before was the UK version is eight episodes with a natural conclusion at the end of series two, where in the US, you know, they're going to try to spread this out as long as they can. There's more than eight episodes per season in the US. So where there are episodes that are based on the UK episodes in the US, not all of them are kind of fill um, that time period, you know, that they need to fill. Mm, mm, mm. 
Okay, well, thank you for the insight, Lewis. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to, to check it out. I do want to. Um, I don't know whether it'll be any good or whether I'll like it, but I, I definitely want to see it. We do want to encourage those that are listening that may not be familiar with the UK version, that only think of it as a US series, to really you know, make the effort and check out the UK series. I'm sure it's probably just a matter of time before the original UK series are available on DVD in Region 1 uh, format in the US. You know, with the popularity and success of the US series, I'm sure that's probably just a matter of time before they start marketing. At least I'm hopeful to that so that uh, that U.S. audiences will have a chance and opportunity to uh, see the, the the original U.K. version out. And I should also say that the um, the U.K. version also was on BBC America uh, previously, you know, before this. But not everyone right. gets BBC America, so that's why I'm hoping right. for the DVDs. Well, it's on ABC, right? So yes. maybe ABC will eventually show the the original no. i don't think so <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> no, they they don't show any outside programming outside of the uh, any you as we were saying earlier in the show unfortunately you have to go to bbc america or pbs or if you want to see any british programming it's not on network television any of the major five or whatever how many networks we have now four um major network channels in the u.s they just don't do it no wonder why you make so many overnight flights to the US yes. to catch up on, uh, <laughs> on Doctor Who. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta I, do. Indeed. I guess, do we have anything else in the newsroom that we wanted to, uh, to mention or talk about? No, I think that covers the news. Which mostly was, uh, was re-envisioning stuff. Um, also, I know this isn't um, uh, British sci-fi, but... Going back to more re-envisaged stuff, um, I, they've made another version of uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, and this time with, with uh, Keanu Reeves, which yeah. I'll be interested to see. Uh, they've done it War of the Worlds, so it was kind of uh, inevitable that they end up doing The Day the Earth Stood Still as well. But uh, I, I would rather have seen an original science fiction production, something, an original idea instead of just against, a remake. So would so would I. It seems that our entire news is just based around this this week. Yes. Maybe we should just call this the re-envisioning show or <laughs> remake show or whatever. But um, I completely agree, and I think that that Hollywood and 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 a lot of people now seem to have this idea that no one has an original idea anymore. Um, I'm all for uh, remaking things, and I am. I have to confess. I'm hugely, hugely excited about the new Star Trek film. I was film. just going to bring that up, yeah. In, in May of next year, um, looking at the trailers, and they've got this brand new flashy website and loads of great desktop pictures. Um, that I'm excited about, uh, if only because Simon Pegg is in it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think they've done a great job with that, and just from what I've seen, and I'll reserve judgment about it till till I see it because I think uh, a lot of people will be passionate about it because there's a whole host of Star Trek fans out there uh, uh, in the U.S. and internationally. How could there not be? It's it's almost as long running as Doctor Who. So yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I'm I'm reserving judgment until I see it. You know, it, it, the other thing is that I didn't think we needed to. You know. It, it could we could have gone a few more years without having to bring Star Trek back, you know, because we haven't really missed it yet, you know. And but that's that's another story. And also going back to instead of going f into the future and, and exploring where it can go from here, you know, every time Gene bon Gene Roddenberry relaunched the series, he he you know set it seventy five years into the future and going forward, and he, instead we're going backwards. But you know, <laughs> well, I think they they want to kind of give it the, this whole a retro theme and and they can't like redo the next generation or redo voyager or redo ds9 because it's, no, it's too recent that's the whole thing let's do something new and original and well that's it that's what i want to see i want to, to tell hollywood to you know at least enterprise while it was kind of going back in 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 time in terms of the, the star trek universe at least enterprise was trying to be somewhat original I think it failed because it was too original and because it didn't have enough of the feel of Star Trek. Um, there wasn't the same ethos there, mostly because, um, you know, okay, with with Voyager, Gene Roddenberry and, and, 
with DS9, Gene Roddenberry didn't have a lot to do with that. But the the philosophy, I think, had gone. Um, and that's why I think a lot of people didn't like it, aside from the fact that, you know, it was more futuristic than the original Star Trek series and, and all of that. But we're kind of deviating from yeah, the target yeah. here. But I think our, our take-home message from the show is, if if there are any if anybody working in television is listening to us, probably not. But if you <laughs> if you are, they turned they turned off a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what do these guys know? They know nothing about demographics or anything like that. And that's true. But what we do know a lot about is science fiction, and we're all very passionate about science fiction, particularly British science fiction. For heaven's sake, if you make something new, it's a gamble. Sure. But the payoff is so much greater if you do something new and original and fun that's not been done before. And stop making remakes. There's no point to it. If the if the justification is there, fine. If you can do something new and original with it, fine. If not, then there's no point to my mind. And that's what I'm hoping that we're going to see with the new Star Trek film, with um, the new day the earth stood still to quote some american examples and uh i'll watch survivors and, and let you know whether they've they've done that in in this the series uh, both the i'll have to reference the old one as well and, and look that up too but um I, you know all in favor of it but for heaven's sakes be innovative because that's what science fiction is all about mm-hmm. really for me yeah yeah anyway I don't well, know if you've if, if we've got any feedback lined up, Lewis. Or well, we already did. We, I had Dave's feedback there. Um, but before we and we're well into an hour right now in the show. So what I would like to do is uh, before wrapping things up is sort of remind people that we have from episode one of of this podcast, the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, still in effect, especially now since it's the it's December, it's the holiday season, people are shopping that Mike's Comics offer is still valid. So if you want to pick up those Blake 7 audio CDs, they're these audio dramas, they're really worth the, the price. They're, they're done very well. I really encourage everyone to check them out. He has a, um, a three-release Blake 7 Series 1, or Season 1 audio set, which st- starts at $55 in the U- U.S. dollars, that is, postpaid. Go to hitchhikersguidetobritishsci-fi.com slash b7. Once again, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com slash B7. Again, I would really take advantage of it. It comes with a DVD as well, which will include extras, and it comes with an exclusive slipcase. And on this similar note to that, in our first episode, we also had a uh, Mike's Comics uh, contest offer, which you could actually win Blake 7 The Early Years, which is a prequel to the Blake 7 series and all you had, we had an interview with Ben Ivanovich which was a great interview and he in that interview there was um, a couple a, a few things that, that he had mentioned and if you can recite those things and one of them was a, a term which he had used to describe the audio soundscape created by effects and music that's, uh, that's question one question two is on how many prequels were made thus far and the third question is, uh, he had mentioned another 1970s uh, non-science fiction television series. And if you can mention that in an email and send it to us at feedback at com, you'll be entered into this contest to win Blake 7 in the early years. So go back and listen to episode one if you haven't done so already. Mm, highly encourage it because it was, uh, as our premiere episode, it was pretty fantastic, I have to say. Um, yeah, it was a lot but- of fun. Yeah, and as has this one has been as well. It's been a a huge fun sitting here chatting with you, Lewis. Um, We'll be back again very, very soon for another fantastic episode of The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Yes. See you then. And take care, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. on this podcast and others like it visit arttrap.com or the hitchhiker's guide to british sci-fi.com for more information and forms 
is Louis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Louis Trapani. for listening to The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. You can send us feedback to feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com. This has been an Art Trap production. 